Gracious God, may only your words be spoken and your words be heard. Amen. Five or six years ago, there was a storybook written by Simone Graham of Auckland, New Zealand, called An Unexpected Christmas. And the author wrote this book as a gift for her own children. You may be familiar with it because it was made into a short film by St. Paul's Anglican Church in New Zealand, and it became a little bit of a YouTube sensation four or five years ago. An unexpected Christmas invites you to imagine a conversation going on in heaven before the first Christmas. It asks you to imagine the very first Christmas beginning in heaven. And there's God looking at the world that God had made and concerned about the way things were going on earth, concerned about the wrong things that people were doing on earth. And God reflects on the brokenness of humanity and says, this is not what I had in mind when I created earth. I feel so far away. It is hard to be friends with people when you don't like what they're doing. And God says, I think it's time. And at that point, one of the heavenly hosts named Scragger says, time for what, Lord? And God says, time to step in. The warrior angels with their swords appear. And one of the warrior angels says, shall we ready the army, Lord? Teach them a lesson. And God says, no, I don't think we should send an army. Maybe just one person. And the angels say, one person? And that's when this recurring line in the book and in the skit begins. Scragger says, one person? Brilliant. They won't be expecting that. The warrior angel says, Lord, if you're going to send just one person, it'll have to be someone very powerful. And very strong, because there's tons of people down there. God says, no, they don't have to be strong. They'll be going as a newborn baby. A newborn baby? Brilliant. They won't be expecting that. And a wise angel says, Lord, the plan is risky. A newborn baby is small and weak. So the baby must be born to people who will protect him. Maybe a great ruler or a mighty king. God says, actually, I was thinking I could send him to a peasant girl whose heart is beautiful and full of courage. A peasant girl? Brilliant! They won't be expecting that. The wise angel says, my lord, I see you're planning to take earth by surprise. No one is going to be expecting a newborn baby born to a humble villager. But what good can a baby do? God says, this will not just be any baby. I'm sending the Prince of Heaven in disguise. The Prince of Heaven, our Prince, your son. Brilliant. They won't be expecting that. And the wise angel says, it is too risky a plan, coming as a tiny baby, born not to power but to humble villagers. But God, if that is the plan, 
please at least let the baby be born in the most important, largest city on earth in a palace. And that's when God says, he'll be born in a stable. And that part of the story ends with the angels saying, a stable surrounded by animals filled with hay, filled with poop. Brilliant! They won't be expecting that. Now, I've been thinking about that book and that play a lot lately because over the years, the Christmas story, the scenes from the Christmas story, the scenes from, the, from Christmas, that first Christmas that we have in our minds, they tend to be the images from artists' renderings over the years or Christmas cards or children's pageants. In other words, I think we tend to picture that first Christmas in a kind of gauzy, romantic, hallmark kind of scene. There's this adoring Mary and Joseph looking down into a brightly lit manger with very calm, polite barnyard animals standing by. Has it ever occurred to anyone else why they're not freaking out over the fact that someone has put a human baby into their feeding trough. You've got these calm animals standing around this serene environment, and, and we tend not to only romanticize that first Christmas scene itself, but we tend to romanticize modern-day Christmases themselves, the way that they are celebrated or supposed to be celebrated. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Perfectly well-behaved children gathered around a perfectly decorated tree exchanging the perfect gifts. Visiting family members and relatives keeping their ridiculous political opinions to themselves or better yet, seeing the error of their ways and admitting that we were right all along. But when we do that, when we romanticize, when we idealize Christmas, a disconnect, a distance grows between, on the one hand, this perfect little ideal scene of that first Christmas or our Christmas that we're imagining in our heads, and on the other hand, the reality of our lives the way they actually are, or at least the way my life actually is messy, complicated, conflicted, fractured. Just think, though, about the way that the real biblical Christmas story starts. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Syria. This is real. The events of that first Christmas did not take place in a fictional Hogwarts or in a galaxy far, far away. The characters are not Hermione or Baby Yoda, but rather we hear of Syria. Syria, one of the real historical actual places named here, like Nazareth. Galilee, Judea, Bethlehem. That's where Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus were. And they've traveled because the governor had mandated a tax on all the people. And the first step in collecting the tax 
was to count people, was to take a census of how many people lived in which towns and what regions. So Joseph and Mary travel that first Christmas not over the river and through the woods to be with family, but because they were forced to by a government decree for the purposes of a mandatory census. And upon arrival in Bethlehem, they find first century gridlock. It's a small village, overwhelmed with a sudden influx of people, and they can't even find the most basic accommodations. There was no room for them in the inn. No room. No place to stay the night. But my wife is pregnant, about to deliver. Sorry, check in with the house down there. They might have space in their shed. And that, that is what baby Jesus maternity ward accommodations really were. It's a shed. It's attachment to the side of a house where animals come and go. The modern day telling of this story might go something like this. The time came for her to deliver her child and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in newspapers and laid him in a shopping cart at the homeless encampment behind the highway overpass where they had to spend the night because there were no vacancies even at the cheap motels. And, and to whom is this miraculous world history changing event first announced? Who are the very first people to learn of God's unique entry into humanity and into human history? Shepherds. Shepherds. People in an occupation that in that culture and time were not only looked down upon, they were considered so disreputable and so mistrusted, they were counted among those people who were not allowed to be witnesses in court proceedings. But it's to them, tired, poor, huddled masses of shepherds pulling the night shift, that this world history-changing event is first announced. Now, I go into all that to do you a favor. Actually, to give you a gift this Christmas. If we can remove from our imaginations, even for just a few minutes here this afternoon, if we can remove from our imaginations that gauzy, romanticized, idealized manger scene and allow ourselves to imagine that first Christmas as it's depicted in the Bible, we would see that God became incarnate. God became enfleshed. God was made real, not under perfect or even peaceful conditions. But rather, God was made real that first Christmas under imperfect, conflicted conditions that Mary and Joseph found themselves in and which we always find ourselves in. The miracle of that first Christmas was that right in the middle of Mary and Joseph's and those shepherds' ordinary, daily, busy, messy lives, God entered in. God was made real. That first Christmas, God's mercy and love and tenderness and forgiveness and grace were now in flesh appearing. 
They weren't expecting that. The good news of great joy of Christmas is for the real world that we live in. The world of headlines and heartaches and hassles. And remembering the shepherds, to hear this good news, to receive this good news, to share this good news, you did not have to be, and you don't have to be, someone special. You don't have to be religious. You don't even have to be good. You don't have to be prepared, and you don't have to be expecting the good news of God incarnate, because if there is one thing that all the main characters in the real biblical Christmas story have in common, it's that God surprised them. The miracle of this Christmas, this 2019 Christmas, is that whether you're expecting it or not, whether you're prepared or not, only and simply because God delights in loving and in being loved, only because God delights in finding and being found, because of that, God's presence can be found, God's power can be found, and God's peace can be found right in the middle of our lives. God's mercy, love, tenderness, forgiveness, and grace are now in flesh appearing, right in the middle of your ordinary daily life. That is where God entered in that first Christmas, and that is where God enters in this Christmas, whether we're expecting it or not. Brilliant.